G'day, welcome to another episode of a Backyard Ultra podcast, episode number three. This weekend we've got the Satellite World Championships at Miram Wernet. So as guests, Peter Munns and Peter Clark called in and we had a good chat about everything to do with Miram Wernet and the Backyard Ultra World Championships that are being held there this weekend. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, thanks for joining um, the podcast today, guys. Really good of you to find the time. Um, so basically, I, I reckon a good place to start would just be about um, Miram Wernet, how the history of the event and how it came to be not only the location of holding Backyard Ultras, but also the first ever Backyard Ultra in Australia. So, so let's start this one. I reckon we'll both have something to say on it. Um, Thanks. The, the, the history goes back to, probably goes back to 2017 that we first started, the idea first came. So Peter Munns, who's the other Peter on the call, was in the process of purchasing a property, a country home, country residence in Victoria. We both live, used to live in Hawthorne. Um, and we also together ran a kind of a running group, the Yarra Trail Runners. So we ran a lot together. He was purchasing this farm. And the two of us were doing, uh, we were kind of training to do a, a long distance kind of FKT attempt. We were chatting about the property. And the, obviously the conversation came up as to whether it would be appropriate to put on a running event. We talked about cross country potentially or fell running, something a bit different, something a bit out there. We had the idea of taking a festival. Mm. When it came around to, I think it's 2017 or maybe 2018, when bigs really hit the media with big totals. And the obvious discussion then was well, maybe we could run a backyard ultra in, uh, on the property and maybe that would be the sweet spot for us. Because you know, you've got limited space, so we, can, we can't do an ultra, you know, a normal ultra on, on the farm, which is kind of 90 or 100 acres. Yeah. So the idea of doing loops or you know, some, some sort of out and back system seems to be the way. So 2018, we decided to test the concept. Um, and it was early days for even for the World Backyard Ultra community. So we didn't even really know the rules. We, we designed quite a difficult course that was just under 6Ks. And we invited seven or eight friends, other runners to come. We said, let's just try and do this as a fat ass and run it and see what you guys think, see if this is a concept that works. So technically, we ran our first backyard ultra in 2018, yeah. which the other Peter will quickly jump in and tell you that he won. Um, but I, <laughs> I, as the assist, was kind of happy that we'd proved the concept by then. So I was quite happy to back off. <laughs> it, was, it was nine yards. Nine yards is a very tough course on a hot day. <laughs> yeah, well done. Um, I think but we had an idea I, then. I might just jump in there and say that it was in November of 2018. And so you're absolutely right. It was getting hot. The grass was starting to grow fairly long. I think a few people pulled out, even a few ultra runners actually pulled out simply because they were constantly worried about there being snakes in the grass. I'm generally <laughs> but, going, uh, what the hell is this? This is stupid. <laughs> but, but Pete and I really wanted to prove the concept, so we were hoping to get, you know, just, just eight, nine or ten laps. And, um, yeah, I think Pete decided he had enough at eight. And um, I... I under the rules, was forced to actually do one more lap to make it nine. But, you know, at that stage, um, oh, we'd, we'd done more than more than a marathon, which was fine, and I think we'd, we'd proven the concept. The course was 5.7 Ks, if I remember correctly. So we thought, you know, with a bit of ingenuity, um, we can stretch it out to the 
to the Regulation 6.7. I think we started off, Pete, by just going around the boundaries. And, and so by making some adjustments, by having an out and back and a few other things, we, we got to a 6.7 course in the end. And pretty much, you know, by, by the end of 2018, I think we'd actually decided, all right, let's, let's do something um, in 2019. Let's just make sure we, uh, you know, we pick the right time of year. There, there is a special reason for picking the right time of year, not only because of heat and long grass, but also because we cr cross a creek, which is very famous in, in, Miramwernet, uh, in the Miramwernet Back Paddock Ultra. But at some times of the year, the creek is just a trickle, maybe not even that. At other times, it's an unpassable river. So we, we have to be very careful about that. But more about, more about the creek crossing later, I think. Yeah, but a little bit more on the evolution of the event, if I can. So we were set up after that November 2018, we decided we were going to do it and we started to announce it and we had already created our Facebook group, I think. But one of the, one of the real tricks to this was because bids had then happened again and had its really big totals. I contacted Laz via messenger at the time and said to him, hey, Laz, we're putting on, we've decided to put on an event of this format in Australia. I reckon it would be really good for us and potentially good for you if we could offer our winner an entry into Dix. What do you reckon? And he came back to me only about 10 days later. Yeah. And he said, I'm about to announce that you guys are having an entry to Bigs and we're doing golden tickets and it's going to be a thing. Yeah. So I like to think we played a part in... The thing, I'm not going to take credit for coming up with the golden tickets entirely. But I yeah. think we may have played a bit of a role in planting the seed for that being a thing. And then when it was a when we were able to announce that we had that, suddenly runners took it seriously and wanted to come, and that set us up. And so that's really how it started. Yeah, and, and so you've had uh, officially you've had two events now. Is that correct? And this will be yeah. We, we had 2019, which was our inaugural one. Yeah, and then uh, we had 2020 was all organised, and we even had Laz coming over in 2020, and we had him booked. Yeah, uh, and then we postponed, postponed, cancelled, and then 2021 postponed, postponed, cancelled. In 2022, we had this year's event. Yeah, and that that, that was obviously postponed and cancelled, obviously because of COVID, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's. Ada, you might even say if you looked at our runners' bibs last year in 2022. Just like the Olympics, you may actually say that uh, it was actually the 2021 Back Paddock Ultra held in 2022. But yes, I mean it was it was quite painful. We we did seriously try to put on an event. In fact, I think we actually tried to put on an event maybe two or three times each year. But it was always impossible with lockdowns and yeah. and so on and so forth. 20, 2022, it was. Um, was the big re-entry, I suppose. We, we had it. We had it in June, in um, in 2019. It just proved a little bit too cold up here in country Victoria. Mm. Um, so moved it to April, which I think worked pretty well this year. Mm. And how long has it been that Miram Wernet's been um, the venue for this year's Satellite World Champs? How, how did that come about? That happened about, I guess it's about a year ago. Yeah. Um, Laz reached out to the race directors in Australia with the concept. I can't remember the exact sequence of events, uh, but asked who was interested in hosting it. 
and um, a couple of us were, um, and there were some conversations, and uh, there ended up being uh, a poll amongst the an anonymous poll amongst the RDs for it, and that's how that's how it ended up happening to be Miriam Werner. Yeah. yeah, just into back back to twenty twenty when we cancelled it though, factoid. Um, Peter, I think you'll remember this. We organised a little virtual get together on the day the event was supposed to be, and we had a couple of runners in in New South Wales. We had a couple of we had a little team up in the Dandenongs, and you had a gathering of three or four people at Miriam Werner. So the amount of people that were allowed to gather, and we said let's do this online on Zoom for twelve hours. And so we actually ran that. And quite a few runners did twelve hours. And I also contacted Laz then, uh, and I didn't tell any of the runners this. And I said, "Can you jump on Zoom at exactly this time and ring the bell for us?" Um, and he did that. So we had these Zoom people all, all over Victoria and Australia. And Laz and his wife jumped on, gave a little <laughs> spiel, and rang the bell. Yeah, people loved it. <laughs> yeah, they would have too. Um, and the actual course itself, I understand that it, it's ever evolving. It's been different for each event. And it's going to be different again um, this weekend as well. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's called the Miramwine at Backpaddock Ultra, um, the uh, the normal event. And the reason it's called that Miramwine, I should say, is um, is means deep creek in the local Woiwurrung language um, of the Wurundjeri people. So our farm is on our farm here is on deep creek, and deep creek is the is the creek that you cross. To get over to the back paddock um and so it it has a lot of significance um for us the back paddock it's it's quite gnarly um there's there's cow trails there's um there's no trails there's a lot of cross country there's a very steep hill to come back down when you finish having said all that most runners absolutely love it and they do find it's the highlight of the course as i said you have to cross a creek to get across the creek to get over to it. And each year we've built a little makeshift bridge out of um, pallets and, and boards. It's, it's no more than that. Unfortunately, it usually deteriorates halfway through the event. So we, we, we need to go and rebuild it. But, um, and you know, people sometimes fall in and get their feet wet and all the rest of it, but it's a lot of fun. And it, it really is a signature part of the, the course. Having said all that, we really decided that not only the creek crossing, well, at the moment the creek's in flood with all the rain we've been having, so crossing would be impossible. But secondly, we thought in order to be competitive on the world stage, we really couldn't have that very difficult section. If you're just competing to win the Miramoyne at Backpatic Ultra, it's fine. You know, you can still do your 40 laps or, or what have you on that course. But we did think for the satellite event, we really needed to come up with a course which would be competitive, but still showcase the the best aspects of the farm. Yeah. yeah. So that was fine. We did have a course that was exactly 6.7056 kilometres long about two weeks ago. Well, in fact, we've had it for a couple of months. But, of course, with all the rain we've been having, um, and anybody in New South Wales and Queensland probably feels the pain worse than we do in Victoria, but again, with all the rain that we've been having, there are parts of the farm that are quite boggy, and all the rest. And we, we don't want we don't want uh, runners to have to change, you know, shoes every other lap, and you know, let, let alone just just get bogged down. Sorry to use the pun with, with all of that. So 
we've actually come up with a course which we think is very competitive. It avoids the bog, but it is a little bit repetitive. Basically, we do four laps of a 1.4-kilometre circumference paddock, and then we have an out-and-back up a not-so-difficult hill, um, which is about 1.25 kilometres. So that, that now makes up the, the satellite event, the 6.7056 kilometres. One the the out-and-back is in the middle, so you do anti-clockwise loop, clockwise loop, out-and-back, anti-clockwise loop, clockwise loop. I saw you post about it on the Facebook page and one of the things I really like about the course you've designed is that, that you can actually see the runners the whole, the whole course. Pretty much the whole time, yeah. yeah Just a little right. bit on the out and back, they'll disappear for a couple of minutes, but yeah. Yeah, so I think that's really good because it's a real spectator event as well. There'll be a lot of people there to watch and especially at night time, I think it'll be cool seeing them with running. Yeah, seeing the headlights move around. Yeah. yeah. Where the is is up is at a high point in the paddock and so you can you know you might miss 20 meters or so but basically you can see people run around the entire paddock and yes our experience from we did actually move the race hub from 2020 to 2022 as well what happened in the meantime is that we built our house on the property and we decided that for convenience of runners and crews it was better to have the race hub near the house um but from that vantage point, as I was going to say, you can see right round and at night time with all the lights going, it's it's pretty spectacular. I think also for the runner with this loop course, you'll be getting, you'll be cheered, you'll, you'll be cheered on four times every loop. Anybody who's thinking about quitting will probably be firmly told not to <laughs> and, and get back out there. So, you know, we're, we're pretty pumped. Um, bit of rain to come this week, but uh, look, it's, it's looking it's looking quite special, actually, the course. Yeah. Well, the forecast is pretty good. There's a, bit of, there's a lot of rain forecast to Thursday, but after that, it's all beautiful. It looks like it's going to be pretty similar today, and today's just perfect. Mm. Yeah, oh. It's a matter of how much, how much the grass gets to dry up on Friday, Saturday, but my assumption is it'll be pretty similar to what it was when I ran it yesterday, and that was acceptable, I'd say. Yeah. Probably better than it. Like, if you consider the, the weather, it's a pretty darn good course. Yeah. You, what it could be <laughs> and the whole course the whole course is on grass is it or are there any gravel patches or anything like that or it's all grass it's all grass most of it's got it's kind of quite rocky along the sort of i don't know which side i'm going to say the northern boundary so it's quite hard underfoot grass for some of it oh yeah uh, the out and back is um slightly technical in terms of there's some rocks and stuff to watch out for that might be a little bit of a shock to the system for the first loop at 11 p.m because it'll be yeah. very dark but yeah. i think they'll get used to that again the, the, the ground is quite hard um but it is grass yes um yeah. there may be some sections that'll that'll, that'll get soft I, I can't think of them luckily i mean that home paddock and probably no coincidence that that paddock is the one that seems to drain the best on the farm yeah and you mentioned in that Facebook post as well, you think the elevation is under 100 metres? I can't do the maths and get it to the 130 that I got on Strava because I, I honestly don't see how a, a loop of the home paddock is more than 20 metres elevation. Of course, you're doing it four times. Yeah. Um, yeah that's easy. And then there's probably 20 in the out and back. So that, that's what I think, but you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> Put in perspective, the the original Miramwinet course is uh, hundred and 
70, 160 to 170 metres. Um, yeah, we're pretty confident we've taken off a lot more than 30 metres because we don't have that back paddock with the big hill and all the rest. So I would, I think if I had to hazard a guess, it's probably 70 to 80 metres in elevation. Yeah, that's pretty good. There's nothing that you would call a hill except for the out and back. Otherwise, yeah. it's just kind of undulating, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sounds nice. And you mentioned earlier snakes. Are, they, are the runners going to have to worry about any animals like snakes? And are you going to have, like, livestock on the course while they're running or they, will they be in a separate area? No, we, we, we will have livestock on the course, not, not that they have to avoid them. Yeah. The, the sheep and the alpacas will be um, penned with uh, temporary wire inside the paddock, so they'll be running around the outside of the sheep so, you know, really the sheep and the alpaca's job is just to provide a bit of entertainment um, each, each loop. Yeah, yeah, cool. There shouldn't be snakes um, at this time of year. I'd be no. no. Pado, people that, ran, people that ran in 2019 will remember that we did have uh, the cattle in the paddock, in the back paddock on that run. And so there was all sorts of... Uh, stories of what the what the cows were getting up to in the middle of the night um and and people sort of running along and being surprised by by the odd cow which was a great feature but um probably not what we need for again for the satellite event yeah there's no cows in the in the home paddock i'm assuming peter there's none in the front paddock where the out and back is either uh, we'll take it, we've yesterday. taken all the cows out <laughs> nothing to avoid here <laughs> and there's been a little bit of um, talk about when the actual first loop starts. I'm pretty sure it's 11 p.m. 11 p.m. time, right? Yeah. yeah, it's 11 p.m. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, and as far as the event being open to the public, can anyone come along who wants to watch? They, they certainly can. Um, now, we encourage people, you know, particularly from the local running community to come and watch. Um, the only issue is is that um, parking is is limited, but that shouldn't be a problem. We we had no problem in in our event that had forty runners back in April, so I don't expect it's an issue this time. I, I only say that because obviously we we don't want people driving onto the course um, yeah. while runners are going around. Yeah, sure. I think one of the good things about starting later is is, is people who want to watch can get there with plenty of time without having to interrupt the race i guess I'm, I'm anticipating that spectators will be more a sunday thing yeah it, it's, a, it's a pretty dedicated person that comes out for an 11 o'clock start on a saturday. <laughs> yeah. but we're, some, we're but certainly encouraging people to come on sunday morning there's there'll be there'll be a coffee cart for takeaway coffees um by one of our local baristas will peter and i and some of the other volunteers will be cooking up breakfasts and all sorts of things so uh, mm -hmm. i'll be i think it'll be a pretty good festival atmosphere on the Sunday morning in particular. Yeah, it's going to be great. And as far as um, keeping up to um, up to date with the progress of the race, how are, how are people going to be able to do that? I know there's a YouTube stream. Um, is Can you tell us about that and anything else? We've got a call this evening with Fabian Duflos, who's Laz's media guy, and he's going to talk us through all of the technology side of it. This evening, our understanding is we have an internet-enabled device. We can hook up to five, maybe even ten of them up to it, so to get different angles and shots. It's going to be broadcast live on YouTube for the entire event. Yeah. Um, the URL 
don't know yet. So hopefully that will get published in, in well, yeah. I assume it will get published in advance of the event. Key statistic for Australians, though, is I'm pretty confident it's 9 a.m. on Monday morning is Australia hour. So yeah. that hour of the broadcast will be dedicated to the Australian team and the Australian course. Yeah. And you'll see video profiles of a bunch of the runners. Um, you even get to listen to me talking a bit about the event. And um, you'll see our start line and finish line. If it all, if it all goes to plan, that's yeah. going to happen on Monday morning. Yeah, sounds good. Um, are you going to have anyone sing the national anthem before the, uh, before the start? Um, I hadn't thought of that. The, the, both of the previous Miriam went back Ultras, we've had um, a, a, a traditional elder come out and do a welcome to country and a smoking oh. ceremony. And that was pretty cool last time. And I, I think Laz appreciated that when he was there last time. We haven't booked that for this. We thought the 11 o'clock was just a bit awkward for everyone. So yeah. uh, the, I, I've proposed things like uh, a team photograph and stuff in the, in the light hours. But the vibe I'm getting from the team is leave us alone until just before the start because we, we want to kind of do our own thing. And yeah. so it's probably going to be a bit of a low-key kickoff, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think it might be a good idea to just um, quickly go through each runner because um, it's, a, it's a hot field. We've got some awesome runners running. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll just list them and we'll just talk about each runner for a couple of minutes if you like. So first of all, I've got written down um, Tim Kaprizak. Kat, um, um, who I know actually went down to the property to give it a bit of a road test recently. Yeah. The, the correct spelling is, yes. the correct pronunciation of his name is on your last podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I never really knew what it was. But I, I think, but I think, David, if you can, if you can pronounce it, you can teach us, um, to be yeah. honest. But we'll go with, we'll go with Tim K. But, but no, yeah. Tim, Tim came out a couple of weeks ago with Ross McPhee, who was the winner of this year's Miriam Wernet event. And... I had them do the the course that we had planned. So we, we had our 6.7-kilometre course, which, again, didn't cross the creek, but it sort of went along flattish paddocks down towards the south. Um, they ran all of that, but they ran this... They, they ran the shortened course, or not the shortened course, but the abridged course um, as well. And, uh, yeah, they're pretty confident. I, I don't know if it was Tim or Ross, Pete, that came away... Predicting seventy-one, that was their number, but um, mm. that's that's a pretty high number. Since then, since then, we've had numbers that go a lot higher than that. But um, that was just an early prediction. Yeah, Tim qualified through the silver ticket at, um, at Backyard Bister in New South Wales. I actually um, have run with Tim quite a while ago, and uh, I, I bet he doesn't know this. First time I ever ran a hundred mile was at the Yu Yangs. I think it was twenty. 16 and i'm pretty sure he won that event and he lapped me on a hundred mile really yeah. 20 kilometer loop so i think i remember him lapping me two or three times on that event. yeah <laughs> he, he does a lot of running at the yu yangs he, he knows it like the back of his hand i think uh, so definitely him yeah. then yeah yeah <laughs> so i think i think tim's tim's 34 laps is is his number for the, going in but i'm yeah. sure he's capable of more than that yeah, yeah. Well, he was on the last podcast I did and he said he did the 34 at the MVP without realising about the Australian team. And he, he kind of said he might have even put in a couple more laps than that if he, if he knew about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, He's definitely one of the, one of the um, lively advocates for our event in the groups that we've got. Yeah. Um, Ryan Crawford. 
He's the, the white Kenyan. Yeah, the white Kenyan. Seed. Yeah. Uh, don't know him. Haven't met him. Um, he's a beast by all accounts. Oh, yeah. People are telling him. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was also on the last podcast and I, when I asked him for their kind of like goals and predictions, he was adamant, like at least 70. So mm. being the Australian record holder as well, I think he, he's really keen for he's really excited about running with this strong bunch of runners to give him an opportunity to give, to be able to smash his best total as well. He comes across as the guy with a, quite a, quite a, um, he's got his own mindset to it. Yeah. Um, in our WhatsApp group this morning, I'm just going to read a couple of words that he said. Um, he said this to our group, he said, we need to prepare for an absolute war. Yeah. 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 yeah I love, I love his mindset. I love mindset, but I don't think. But I think. I think when he says war, I mean he's he's really promoting the Australian there as well. So it's not, you know, with all of our runners, it's not just about them setting an individual total and and winning Australia or winning the world um, event. It's all about how can we win the team event? Yeah. And, and Ryan's right behind that. How can we get as many Aussies to whatever it is, fifty laps or whatever it is? You know, a really big total. Yeah. And I think also that because each lap counts towards the Australian total as well, that will also be um, something that drives a lot of the runners to just push for that X one one more lap kind of mm. um, mentality. It's, as well. it's a totally different mentality. If you know you can't win, there's still a reason to keep going yeah. in this one. Yeah, that's right. Um, Ross McPhee, we have – oh, actually, Phil Gore, the Western Australian. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, we've got a the Australian contingent, and they're they're all they all seem to be in cahoots with each other, and they've got their own shirts going, and yeah, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so and I think they're all arriving. A lot of them are arriving on on Friday. A couple of them mm -hmm. arriving on Saturday morning. Um, yeah, he seems to be one of the guys who's got stuff to say as well. Don't know him though. Seems like a lovely guy. Yeah. He's picking us up on the technical details of the right. reasons all the time, yeah. times and stuff. Like that. <laughs> he's, he's a detailed guy. I like to call him Pete. He, he was most concerned when I posted the other day and I think I pointed out that the course was 6.704 kilometres and uh, he, he kindly pointed out that was 1.6 metres too short. So I did assure him and the rest of the team that I'd gone out and um, we'd, moved the, we'd moved the post at the out and back by 0 0.8 of a metre so that we're bang on. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. <laughs> um, Ross McPhee. Who qualified through weren't it? Yep. Yeah, Ross Ross was really interesting at um at Miram Wernet this year. I think he made it well, he, he's a he's quite understated and a and a fairly humble guy, but it 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 became clear by everybody sort of talking to his crew and understanding what their schedule was that he'd actually planned them to stay all the way through till Monday evening. And bearing in mind that Miram Wernet starts at um, starts on a Saturday morning. Once once word got out that Ross was planning to be there, he had his crew doing shifts, etc. You know, right through to at least five o'clock on Monday. I think that might have started to, you know, work on the minds of some of the some of the other runners. I remember um, when it was just he and Donald running at the end, and they did Pete. I think maybe. Three or four laps together, just the two of them. Yeah, a few. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that Donald was quite capable of going further, but 
I do wonder whether he just had in the back of his mind that Ross had another 24 hours worth of crew to um, to support him, and you know that that might have that might have been what it did. But look, you know those mind games are all important. A bit different in this satellite event, but uh, now he he was a he was a great champion and a very worthy winner of our event. I think. Mm. My take on his win was that um, yeah, I, I agree. He, I think he had plenty more in him. Um, our event had a, a handful of really strong runners who were capable of going far, but there were a few things that happened during the event that, that you know, didn't go to plan for some of the runners. And I think that when it came down to him and Donald, uh, Don Bailey, I don't think Donald want, wanted to win as much. You know, he, he already had the Mar Melbourne Marathon booked into his calendar. The idea of running in the World Championships wasn't in his radar going in. So uh, he was happy to keep pushing Ross for a bit longer, but I don't think he had what, what an assist. If you want, if you want to break a record, you need an assist who's as hungry as the, as hungry as the winner. And I, I don't think we quite had that. I'll just mention as well. There's a nice little documentary on YouTube that someone made on that last Miriam Wernett um, yeah. race too. Yeah. So if anyone wants to watch it, they should just do a search on YouTube and watch it. It's a nice little, nice little video. Yes, um, and just um. A shout out to Valerie and Go who who made that. She she originally um, made a longer video as a tribute to her brother Lockie who was running in the event, and um, she kindly did do an edited version that that really showcased the event. But mm. but it is great. It's got it's got all the drone footage and uh, shows the race hub. So no thanks for pointing that out, Pato. I think anybody who any of the competitors or crew that want to get a good idea of what they're what they're preparing for definitely should go to that video yeah yeah um next aaron young another another one from wa i believe yes another one of the wa crew um i mean i don't know him i don't know any of the wa people people personally but they're all chipping in on on the group what can i say about aaron um, i know that he was the assist when phil gore broke the australian record um he uh before he it was beaten by the white kenyan phil gore broke it and yeah aaron young was the mm. assist so i think that was 53 yards he did mm. yeah I, I i've watched all of their profile videos that they've sent in for, for the media but to be honest because i don't know any of the wa people i'm struggling in my head to pick which one's which yeah yeah fair enough um one of the experienced members of the team chris murphy He's running big, hasn't he, Chris Murphy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think he was in. Um, I think he was overdoing um, UTMB when we were sorting out the team, so he was took yeah. a while to come back to us. Yeah, I saw that. Um, he posted some photos of that on his Instagram account. Um, so it was that's really good. But yeah, he did forty six yards, I believe, at the at um, Bigs last time when he went there. This is his fifth yes. backyard, fifth backyard ultra too, so he's very experienced. Yeah, he's definitely Chris, one of the big Chris, names in Australia. Mm. Chris is very positive. I've I've been reading his posts to our to our runners WhatsApp group, and uh, you know he's he's very positive, not only personally but about the team. So um, mm. again, I I don't know Chris so well. Obviously, I've followed his exploits, but um, he's he's certainly on my short list of um, people to watch. Yeah, sure. Um, Jessica Smith from WA as well. Yeah, another WS yes. person, one of two, one of two ladies. Yeah, in the event, she and Margie Hadley. 
Um, she's been, from my perspective, from what I'm seeing, keeping a, a relatively low profile. But I think mm. she and Margie are coming over together and arriving on the mm. on the Saturday. It's going to be fantastic to have them. Positive vibes is all I'm getting yeah. from that. Sure. She's done. She's run two backyard ultras, and she's won. She's gone over forty yards at each one, forty-five and forty-one. Yeah, she's like number five or six in the seeding. Yeah, yeah. she's one of our top runners. Yeah, very good. Um, Robert, That's interesting. Oh. I was just to add there. Sorry, Pat. I was just going to add there. It's interesting. <sighs> Sorry, I've, I'm. Off, I had a phone call coming in in the middle oh, of that. So. Yeah, no worries. Sorry about that. No, it's interesting. I mean, Biggs has shown that that females can certainly compete against males um, in this format, which which I think is wonderful. I think in Australia we've probably just had less entrants um, that are female than males. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jess and, and Margie as well can can do. I think you know we've got the best of the best from Australia in this event. Um, so there, there's no reason any of them can't, you know, can't go to the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, gee, there's a few WA people, you know, Robert Parsons. Yeah. He's, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> don't know him. Don't, I don't really know these WA guys. Um, yeah. He's also bringing positive vibes, though. He's yeah, sure. How far I can go is what I'm seeing from him. And, um, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Herdies and Birdies crew, they are. Yeah, I yeah. I was going to say, he's done 36 times. yards at Herdies and he improved at Birdies to do 44. So, yeah. yeah. yeah we've got a little bit of a debate going on now about surfaces, uh, right. whether whether a hard surface versus a soft one is better for the backyard, with the concept being that the soft surface is um, probably a little bit easier on the body, but maybe a little bit slower and a bit more draining on the energy. Yeah. Whereas the hard surface, you can run faster and get a longer rest. And um, the, the WA guys are in this debate now, but it seems like what, they're saying that everyone, all the WA people who have run both of them have got their PB on the on the trail one as, yeah. opposed, to, as opposed to the hard one. It's an interesting one. I've, I've done two. The last one I did was um, basically all Asheville. And it, it was okay for me, but I guess it's down to the individual as well. Some people's knees aren't. And as um, a little bit more fragile than others, I guess. But um, yeah, I think yeah, running on a softer surface would be would be better. Yeah, but the bottom line is that is that you've got to go for as absolute long as possible. And the the factor factors are that when your body body and mind are broken down to a point where you can't go any further, then that's it. And so what is it that's accelerating that breakdown? Yeah. If the hard surface is affecting your muscles in such a way that it accelerates the breakdown more than the soft surface, then, then there's your answer. I don't think we have the stats to prove it, but my theory is... Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we've got oh, ben, ben Nichols. Yep. Ben's a... Oh, we've got a Victorian. He's a hardcore yeah. Victorian trail yeah. ultra runner. And he ran at Miriam Wernick, but and I think he was on your podcast. He mentioned it, like I invited him out because he was prioritizing um, down under 135 at that point. Yeah. Um, so he really just came out to recce the course, but he did a solid 15 loops. And I remember chatting to him around the campfire afterwards. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, would, would never rule him out. I think he's relatively local to Miriam Wernick. He's also a farmer. Um, I know he lives um, out uh, in Timboon, which is 
out towards um, the twelve apostles kind of oh, way. So not local then, but but, um, but, but a fellow very, very country. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but ben, ben has Ben has finished. Uh, do you? I'm going to say twice. Is that right? I know he's run it twice. Um, I'm not sure if he maybe maybe finished. Yeah, I'm not sure if he yeah. finished it, but he's he's definitely run it twice. Yeah. 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 No, another another um, another strong competitor from Victoria. Yeah, he, he's tough. I, the first backyard ultra I did was the one at MVP earlier this year, and that's the one that he won. Mm. He went for mm. 41 yards. And like we mentioned in the last podcast, it was very, very tough conditions, very hot, a lot of elevation. Yeah. So, um, not only that, not only that, I... That was the second one that I. That was the second backyard that I ever ran was MVP, and as you say, a lot of elevation, but 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 lots of change, of course. I mean, you're going up and then down and then up and then down. But not only that, it, going back to our previous conversation, a lot of it is on asphalt as well, yeah, um, or concrete even. So there's that factor as well. I think 41 is a an amazing uh, amazing achievement on on that course. Yeah, well, it, it did break the course record um smashed the course record actually so i couldn't believe it like the next day I, I finished after 16 yards and went home went to sleep woke up on sunday and they were still going and i just couldn't believe it yep <laughs> i yep. think that the du135 thing there's a pedigree of du135 runners at miriam one historically and in our first one i think six of the last eight were people that had done du135 and the the trail format might favor those types of runners let's see yeah yeah i think you might might be right um next i've got john woon john yoon oh, yeah. Yoon. Well, you yeah well john yoon actually john yoon actually came out to run our virtual uh miram wernet back paddock ultra that that pete alluded to earlier um i think he ended up i think he might have done nine or ten um yards but as i said it was it was just for fun um and he he just had a, you know, John Yoon is that type of guy that just has a smile on his face the entire time. He was he was happy. He was in his element. Um, he had a great time out here. But of course, he's he's done so many different things, whether it be, you know, track um, twenty four hour type ultras, um, you know, long distance point to point, etc. Um, so I, I'm not as familiar with. I don't know how many backyards he's done. So obviously, he's only done one. Yeah, obviously one, but. Um, he's just he's just good on a lot of different surfaces, a lot of different types of event. Yeah, he's yeah. represented Australia before in the twenty four hours. So mm. this is his second time donning a Australian Guernsey. Yeah, it's a good double, isn't it? Maybe third time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's won. Um, he's run over two hundred kilometers four times in twenty four hour track races. So when I did my first ever twenty four hour track. Coburg, I'm going to say it was 2017, might have been 2016. Yeah. Um, John was running that. John won that. Right. And um, I was lucky enough. I don't, didn't have the level of family support that he had. Um, his partner crewed me for that as well. I don't know if he knows this or she knows it, but she ended up kind of adopting me. Right. And every, every time I came past, she was offering me stuff. So, uh, And I remember he won that event. Yeah. And you were only one or two laps behind him, Pete. Wasn't that right? Hey, I think I came fourth, so let's not go there. I think he beat me by, by uh, 
about 50 odd kilometers. But <laughs> um, Matt Doobie. Yeah, I know Matt. Yeah, um, yeah, you Victorian. Go, Matt. yeah, Victorian. He's one of the ones that was very that's very into the backyard ultra concept. Yeah, yeah. a little bit yeah. of a purist in that sense. He, I, I separate WhatsApp messages and stuff with him discussing the ins and outs of the rules and the the psychology of it. So yeah. he's definitely one of our big sort of. He's, he's one of the unique runners. He's like a backyard ultra specialist. He's mm. unlike the others with a lot of different type of. Um, ultra experience. He's, he specialises in the backyard ultra. Yeah, he's made his sort yeah. of thing. And he was supposed to run at Miramona this year, and it was the weekend of his brother's wedding, right. yeah. um, which just made it impossible for him. But he did come out and he came out and met us, and yeah. he got to meet and have a chat with Laz as well that afternoon. So yeah. it was quite fun. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, I've got Chris Martin on the team as well, another WA boy. Yes. This is not this is not Chris Martin from Coldplay, by the way. <laughs> um, Chris Martin is one of the um, one of the soft soft course advocates, I think. Right. He's, he's very um, he's excited that we've got the um, that we've got the grass course, and I think it was him that was pointing out the Herdies versus Birdies thing. In yeah, our discussion. So he's positive vibes. Don't know the guy. Yeah. Um, well, I, I reckon like the softer. I reckon the softer course is is a benefit you just don't want it too muddy but as long as it's not muddy i reckon it's it's a benefit for sure 100 percent. and that was that was our key criteria in finalizing the course we you, you can avoid mud you can go around it and all the rest of it but what what you often do doing that is actually create a spread of a spread of mud and um you know particularly as i said before thinking of crew thinking of runners we we, we don't need that it's possible there'll be a few squelchy bits, but I'm pretty confident uh, not much mud, if any at all, on, mm. on Saturday. I was thinking this morning, you're hearing this for the first time, Peter Hans, if, if the, the sort of runway, the straights of the back paddock start getting muddy, I'm not sure that they will. They, they look pretty solid to me. If they start getting muddy, I think it would be possible for us to create a deviation around the mud and adjust the out and back to compensate for it if we needed to. It wouldn't be something we could just do on the fly, but it's something that we could organise once in the event if we had to, and just mm -hmm. bypass a certain area and add, I don't know, 10 minutes for that. Or shorten yeah. it, shorten That it. actually brings up an interesting point that Laz has actually, Laz has actually clarified for us, and it's not something I want to reflect on for this particular event, but Laz has actually clarified that in other backyard events around the world, Many times they've been forced to change the course mid-race, whether it be because of falling debris or mud or just you know hailstorms or what have you. I think I think Laz said in Belgium once they were they resorted to doing loops of a car park um, because they just had a course change that that made that what they had to do. But um, you know he said, look, if you have to do that during the race, as long as yep, again everybody. Is everywhere at the race is faced by the same thing? That's that's absolutely fine. Hmm. I think also, as you mentioned before, if the course is um, undulating with no big hill or anything like that, probably the runners might choose their walk points to be the to be the muddiest bits hmm. because there's no obvious hill to they can walk yeah. up. The, the, the Allen back has a hill, and that will be an obvious walk work 
walk point, but that's only about 400 meters. Right, yeah. Distance, but you're right. There, there, I think there are obvious, yeah, there are obvious spots that you'd walk. I actually uh, think, I actually think having, now. having obvious walk points is really important. You're, you're absolutely right, Pato. It um, meant, I, I find that mentally, where you've got a course where you go, you know what, I'm never going to run up this hill or I'm never going to, you know, run down between a bunch of rocks. I'm just going to walk it. Mentally, you can sort of think about it every lap and it's, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's quite beneficial. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've got Margie Hadley written down as well. We mentioned her before, but she's doing her fourth Backyard Ultra for the year. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's uh, I follow her on Strava for, I think, because a couple of years ago when we, when we cancelled 2020 and we put on 2021, we organised a virtual, a virtual ultra, which was a Sydney to Melbourne simulation. Oh. I'm pretty sure she, she joined and ran in those and that's how I became acquainted with her name and we were sort of following each other on, um, on Strava. And I, so I remember, I remember her Strava being very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> on the times when I've looked at it. So <laughs> don't know her, but all, I do know that she runs a lot. Yeah. And she's, a, she's you know, one of the, part of the scene there. And she ran a good uh, practice, um, a tune-up. She had a tune-up at uh, the No Time to Die a few weeks ago, just running the 24 hours just to tune up for the event, I guess. As, as you do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Carl Douglas is another WA, another WA guy. Yeah. Really WA, aren't they? yeah. Um, we, we've been thinking. We've been thinking about in, making up an unofficial, um, you know, battle of the states as a sort of a subset to this this whole thing. As Peter said, the um, you know the WA team will not only have the Australian t-shirts, but they've gone and made up their own. Uh, WA shirt, but we, we may have to suggest to some of the other states that, uh, you know, they they either bring Victorian ultra runners, buffs or whatever it is, and have a little competition within a competition. Obviously, yeah. it would be just be good fun, but, uh, you know, anything that stimulates a bit of fire in the belly and gets people to run it, that extra lap or that extra two laps is mm. certainly worthwhile. A bit of extra interest for the people watching too, maybe. Mm. Well, well Douglas. Um, was, is one of the, if I'm not wrong, he's one of the later um, members of the team. So I had to go through this process of, you know, there was a few few runners that couldn't make it, and I had to go through the process of um, ruling them out. And I'd, I'd lined up the next people in line to say, there's a chance that you may be uh, invited to the team. And he was in that category. And as soon as I told, gave him the initial, there's a chance, he, he knows some of the runners. He was very excited very positive and so it was really satisfying to be able to offer him the slot it's a few weeks ago now but um wasn't yeah. um pete wasn't carl speculating i think he was actually speculating as to whether certain runners above him on the list were going to make it or weren't going to make it where they might be whether they were sick whether they were traveling etc etc he was, was one of the very keen to what was going on with the w80 yeah very keen to see where he was um, just before I forget the name of the team, the Red Backyard is pretty pretty awesome name. Yeah, that was a poll on our Facebook group. Um, yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, ben Hurst. He's ben ben. Well, Ben's a, Ben is an early. Um, ben did run at twenty nineteen. Yeah, I'm gonna say he came. Did he come fourth at Merrimwine at that year, Pete, or was it fifth? 
Oh, maybe was, third? I can't remember. He was up, up there. He was, yeah. he was, he, he'll probably kill me, and it probably was third. The point was, um, he, he did very well in 2019. Uh, then we saw him come back to the, the very first uh, MVP. He's obviously been up north and, and done, um, done Clint Eastwood and some others. Um, did a very good effort back here in, in 2022. So, yeah, he's, he's one of those real specialist backyarders. And even, even at home in Tasmania, he's, um, he's obviously done Devil's Lair recently, but um, he's, he's also volunteered to do laps of his, um, his local oval for charity on different occasions. So he, he doesn't mind going around in circles, old Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really does train for this, this event. He does other things, but he's, he really does see himself as, um, you know, being quite handy at the backyard format. Yeah. And um, do you have any predictions or what do you want to see? What, what are your predictions? What do you want to see on the weekend? I, I, I reckon that the, on starting on the negative side, the first to fall is going to end up being somebody that has an unexpected problem like a stomach issue or a, a, some sort of niggle or they've come in with a niggle and we don't know about it. I don't think anyone's going to quit anytime early without there being something like that. So yeah. it's impossible to say who that'll be because it's going to be caused by something like that. Or carrying um, an injury into the event that we don't that we don't know about, something like that. Um, I think. But I think I guess the really big question is, you know, when we talk about that first person to fall, barring you know, barring anything totally unexpected, you know, what what will the total be? Um, I fully expect that the number will be north of what we've achieved at Miram Wernet for our winner in the past, but I just don't know. Um, you, you know, you'd like everybody get to get to 40, but I certainly don't want to start putting the moz on people. Some people probably think I'm being too pessimistic and we'll all get 50, but it's, it's one of those things that's just, just so hard to predict. I mean, as Pete said, there's always something unexpected that comes up and, you know, sadly affects one or two runners, so... I'm, I'm more upbeat than you on this. I reckon that we're in the 60s, 70s. I, I'd be really surprised from the from the vibe I'm getting. There's some runners who aren't going to quit. They're not going to go, and it takes. No, I think sorry, Pete, I was talking about the bottom number, not the top number. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, so top number. I think we're gonna. Uh, it's hard. You feel like you're going out on a limb predicting the Australian record will go, but I know that the guy who's holding it's intending to break it. So it's a matter of having an assist. Yeah. Well. I think that I don't think we'll see anyone drop out before 24 hours. That's for sure. I'd be surprised. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Pete, and I, Pete and I have got holidays booked from work until Wednesday, so um, yeah. that's that might give you some indication. Yeah. I wonder whether the time of day is going to play a part in this as well. So, to put if you were to wait for 24 hours, you'd be coming out in the middle of the night on Sunday, and I. I, if I were doing this, I'd be expecting to go through at least two nights. Yeah. So that puts you into the 30s yeah. um, for, for, for bottom expectations for the majority of runners, I reckon. I think anybody who's done an ultra run knows that whether it's a backyard or whether it's a 100 mile or a 200 mile, what have you, everybody knows that those dawns are something special and you can really push yourself through the night to, to see the dawn. And then, of course, you sort of start to think, well, it's sunny now. I can actually see. I, I can go that bit that bit further. So 
as you say, um, you know, you, you're at 30. Well, you're, you're a bit above 30 by the time you get dawn on Monday morning. And I think just that daylight, et cetera, will push people, you know, closer to midday. So, you know, then you're at 36 hours. So it's, yeah, the, the, the weather, the, the time of day, all of those things will, will play a big part. Yeah. I just think the strength of the team alone is enough. Even if it was the toughest course in Australia, I still think that the team alone would get them 65 plus. <laughs> Let's hope for that. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope for something yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I noticed um, it looks like when you talk about dawn wake with the sun coming up and stuff like that, you, said, you posted a beautiful photo of the view there the other day of the sun was it sunset? Yeah, I think that was a sunset in our 2022 event in April that right. was taken at a sunset. Oh, it might have been a sunrise. I honestly can't remember. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But so you've got, right now, right now at the course, um, Pato, you, you basically, you've got light from 6.30 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. So um, cer certainly that's going to help us just, I mean, it could be longer, but, but that's that's a good amount of daylight to, to be able to run in. We don't, of course, have a, a separate night course like they do at Biggs, mm. so it will be the, will be the same. I know, you know, some people push themselves to get to the night course at, at Biggs because it's it's just that much easier, and then they think they can go through the night. Um, we're not doing that, but I think I think our course, you know, has all the elements of, of both easiness and a few gnarly bits that. Um, you know, it, it'll average out. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think having that psychological thing in your mind, knowing that, oh, the course is going to change soon, I'll keep pushing so I can be here for the course change. I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll need that. I mean, they'll have enough fire in their bellies. They've got enough motivation to keep going anyway without mm. needing a course change. Yeah, so I don't think runners are coming out to this to, to hit a master and they're coming out to go as far as they can yeah yeah well that's actually a really good point pete i mean unlike because that's what you have that's what you see at all backyard ultras you see that spike of people um you know whether whether it be leaving it's i think is it is it 16 laps 15 or 16 laps when you hit 100 kilometers yeah. obviously 24 laps when you hand over 100 miles and if you've ever looked at the statistics there's a there's a peak in people dropping out at those points <laughs> there won't be anything like that this time no, no. So I'm, I'm planning on coming down on the Saturday evening, I think, before, while it's still light, I'm going to stay for the whole time. So I'll be, I'll be happy to volunteer, do anything you guys need. I'll bring down my tent. There'll be somewhere to pitch a tent, I assume. Yep, absolutely. I'm by the race hub. Yeah, you're in there. Yeah. Awesome. I'm really, I am so looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Well, we'll see you for a barbecue on Saturday before the event then. Yeah, great. Well, we might wrap things up. Thanks so much for making the time to call in. Um, it's been a great conversation, I reckon. Thanks very much for having us. Hopefully this gives people a bit of a view of what's going on and, and what to expect. Was there anything else you wanted to um, mention that I might have missed or we might have missed? Mm, I don't think so. I think, you've covered it <laughs> I, think well. we, I think we covered most things. Um, may the best woman or man win. Yeah. Um, and may the best country win. Yep, yep. Go Australia. All right. Thanks again for the two Peters for that chat. That was really good, really informative, and it was a lot of fun. 
Now, if you enjoy this podcast, if you could subscribe, like, and comment, that would be awesome. Next week, hopefully, I'll be back with one or two runners from the Backyard Ultra Championships. And until then, enjoy the weekend and have a good one.